together. Uh, some other people inserted into the bulletin. And uh, what this Bible study includes is it includes a paraphrase of the text. A paraphrase is just kind of when you write out the text in your own words. It kind of helps you to get uh, a little bit of a better understanding of it. Uh, but it also includes uh, some questions, a couple of notes, uh, a prayer, and a couple of a devotional thought, a couple of other things. So I want to let you know about this. A couple of ways you can use this. One of it is one is you can just simply use it in your own personal quiet time. Uh, another way is you can do it with a friend or uh, men. You can use this. Uh, go through it one night with your wives or maybe even your family. Uh, this is what we did last week. Joy and Faithy and I we did it together uh, last week, and then Faithy gave me some encouragement and instruction on how to write better questions. Yeah. <laughs> And actually, to be honest with you, her ideas were really, really good. So, uh, so, uh, but, uh, and then also, uh, the other way you can use this, men, we are, some of us have been meeting uh, on Thursday nights, and we're meeting from 6 to 7.30 uh, here at the church, but we're doing it, and we'll be continuing to do it over the next four weeks. So, uh, I just kind of want to let you know about that. Uh, when I was in seminary, one of my favorite professors was Dr. John Reed. And Dr. Reed was, I mean, like he was, uh, well, I was a young man in my early 30s, so I felt like he barely had a pulse rate because he was in his 60s. Uh, Well, now that I'm almost 60, I don't feel that way anymore. But back then, I kind of had that that feeling. And uh, But I remember Dr. Reed is just one of these guys who, I mean, he taught me a lot about preaching and teaching, but he taught me about a lot more than that. He just taught me about life. Uh, He taught me about how to live. Uh, he taught me about how to follow Jesus. And so uh, one day we're in class, and he's getting ready to, to start talking and uh, start his lecture on preaching, teaching. And uh, Dr. Reed, was, he was the, the chairman of the Bible X department there, uh, the Bible exposition department there at Dallas Seminary, and just a, a fantastic guy, fantastic guy. And so one, one day in class, he just starts off, and he starts telling us about uh, this young younger uh, woman, about 25 years younger than him, uh, very, very attractive, uh, had uh, revealed to Dr. Reed that she was available if he would ever want to have an affair. Yeah, okay? And, uh, and so we're, uh, we're sitting here listening to him talk about this, and, and he, he said, you know, I've kind of been thinking about this, and I, I've thought, I've, I've been thinking, I've been thinking, this might be my last best opportunity to have an affair with a really, really beautiful woman. I'm sitting here, I'm listening to this, I'm like, I'm like, we're Dallas Seminary. You are a highly esteemed professor in the school, and he's talking about, gee, and, and, you know, and, and he's been thinking about this might be his last best opportunity. And then he said this. He said, I wonder what I'm going to do. Well, today what we're going to look at and talk about, and he just launched into his, le- his lecture. I don't remember anything else he said that day. Um, the other day I was uh, working on getting ready for this message, and as I was getting ready for it, I came across this quote from a guy named David Platt. Any of y'all know who David Platt is? Okay, a few of you do. He's written a few books, written a few books. He pastors a church. He's a, uh, he is a seminary professor as well. Um, and, and David 
this is what David Platt wrote. This is what David Platt wrote. He said, my mind is susceptible to wandering. Wandering. My mind is susceptible to wandering, and I am tempted to think unmentionable thoughts when I see an attractive woman who's not my wife. Uh, My heart is bent toward pride. And and I'm tempted to compete with other pastors over who is more spiritual, more successful. I'm tempted to cut moral corners in order to gain a personal advantage over others. I am prone to pretense and hypocrisy. I I am tempted to lie to make myself look better. Uh, And I'm prompted to, to, to call people to do what I'm not willing to do myself. I'm prone to to value appearance over authenticity. I'm I'm prone to to value my wants over other people's needs. And I'm prone to desire the glory that's due to God alone. I'm keenly, if not frighteningly, aware that one wrong look, one inappropriate meeting, one rash decision, one fleeting moment, could wreak havoc on my life, my family, and my church. I have the potential to bring untold disgrace on my God. Uh, Interesting words. Interesting words. If at any point this makes you uncomfortable, like if you would not be comfortable with having David Platt as your pastor, then I'm going to share with you, you probably really don't want to have me as your pastor ever, uh, either. The reason I'm going to say that is because at almost every point of what David Platt said, to a greater or lesser degree, I have felt every one of those things. I can identify with almost everything he says there. By the way, uh, because I've been doing this for a few years now, coming up on 25 years, uh, I've been pastoring for about 25 years. I have had the opportunity to sit and listen to confessions by dozens of pastors, identifying with almost every single point that David Platt mentioned and what he wrote. Now, there's a couple ways to, to take this and look at it. One way you, you can look at it and just say, we're a bunch of pagans. None of us are qualified for ministry, and you go find someone else who doesn't struggle with any of those issues. Oh, that's one way you could deal with it. Another way you could think about it is this. Perhaps we all share similar struggles because we all share a similar, uh, 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 a common tempter. You understand what I'm saying? We have a common enemy. We have a common enemy who tempts us with the same kinds of things. Uh, My guess is if you don't identify with one of those temptations, you do identify with some kind of temptation. Maybe there's an area of your life where you found yourself uh, falling down repeatedly. And what we want to look at, what we want to talk about this morning, is what can we learn from the experience of Jesus about how to encounter temptation and what to do when we're tempted. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, the Bible says this. It says that then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness or the desert to be tempted by the devil. After 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, the city of Jerusalem, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, 
He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And then, they, uh, then, then the devil said this. He said, All this I will give you, he said you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. What kind of temptations do you struggle with? What kind of temptations? Like, for example, you know, I look at the temptations of Jesus, and if I'd been tempted to turn stones into bread, I, that would not be a temptation for me at all. Even after going 40 days without food, I would not be tempted to turn stones into bread. I mean, I like bread, but I just if it was fried chicken, if it was fried chick, chicken and mashed potatoes with, with white gravy on it, uh, some, 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 maybe some biscuits and, and coleslaw, not too much coleslaw, but a little bit, enough that I could say I ate my vegetables, but if it was fried chicken, or maybe if I was turning it into a plate of these, these oatmeal pecan cookies my wife makes and a tall glass of milk, I might be tempted to do that. But bread, no, not really. Well, what kind of things do you struggle with when it comes to temptation? What is it that for you is kind of that stumbling block? And what can we learn from, from Jesus about how to deal with temptation that can help us? I want to share with you, and, and there are a lot of things we could talk about here today, Uh, I want to share with you three lessons, three thoughts, and I want to try to keep this very, very simple. But in doing this, one thing I want to make sure is very, very clear, that the temptations of Jesus were not simply given to us uh, as as moral lessons for you and me to follow. Matthew Matthew 4 is about a lot more than that. The the Matthew 4 represents a unique uh, kind of experience when it comes to temptation. See, what was happening in this, in this situation, and, and, and a great way to think about this is, let me just ask you one simple question. What happens if Jesus fails at any, any point in this temptation? Yeah. The, what's happening here is unique in this way. It's unique because what's under attack is the very sonship of Christ and the mission of Christ. How does, David, or how does the devil, I keep wanting to say David, I don't know why, because David is the devil, no. Um, no, but, uh, but you know, when you look at this text, what is, what is the devil saying to Jesus again and again? He's saying, if you're the Son of God. If you're the Son of God. And then finally what he does is he, he tempts Jesus and he says, he, he go, takes him up to the, the top of this, this tall mountain, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he says, you know, all you have to do, Jesus, I will give you all of this. You will be sovereign over all these kingdoms. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. Uh, you know, and, 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 and I think that part of the offer is, is that, you know, it would be very easy for me to look at that and think, well, think of all the suffering that you could eliminate. If you were the king of the world, you could eliminate a lot of suffering. You could eliminate a lot of the problems that are going on in the world. 
And basically what the devil was tempting Jesus with was a shortcut to sovereignty. See, the path of Jesus to sovereignty was a path of suffering that involved the cross. Because the mission of Jesus was not simply to be the sovereign ruler over the entire universe. It is that. But before that, it was to suffer on the cross so that he could be our Savior. Now, that's something that we don't deal with. And that's a unique temptation that Jesus was dealing with in this situation. But I do think that that in the, the experience of Christ, I think we can find some lessons for us here that can help us with our own struggle with temptation. First, first lesson is this, real simple. We have a spiritual enemy, and we need to be ready for battle. We, we have a, a spiritual enemy. I mean, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, uh, when the devil first uh, presented himself to Adam and Eve in the garden. And in uh, we have a spiritual enemy, and we need to be ready for battle. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, Paul says this. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the, 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 the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so we are in the middle of a spiritual battle, and we, we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Uh, it, it, it's interesting that, I, I, I don't know about you and your experience, but one of the things that I have found for me is that a lot of times my greatest challenges and my greatest temptations come after kind of a high point. That a lot of times for me, it's like, you know, maybe, I, I know some of you ladies, y'all went to Silver Spur the other day, but sometimes I'll, I'll go away, maybe it's a conference, maybe it's a retreat, or maybe I'll listen to a really inspiring message, like two weeks ago we had PC Walker with us. By the way, if you weren't here two weeks ago for PC, I'd encourage you to go online and listen to the message. But one of, one of the things that I have found to be true for me in my experience is a lot of times my, my biggest temptations and my biggest challenges come immediately after a high point. And, uh, and, and, and there's a guy, his name is Michael Green. Michael Green is a, a Bible scholar. He's written a few books. Well, I say a few books. He's written over 50. Uh, but uh, Michael Green, is a, he's a Bible scholar, and he believes that, that Matthew is placing the story of the temptation of Jesus immediately after his baptism to, uh, in order to illustrate and teach us something very, very important. That, that for, for Jesus, his baptism would have been one of those high-point type of experiences. And what, uh, and what Michael Green says about this is he says, we're not meant to live on spiritual highs, okay? Uh, you may go to Silver Spur. You may go to uh, some kind of event. You may go to the other night. Uh, Joy. The other night, Joy and I and the kids, we went to see Wren Collective. I'm sorry, because I just thought of a situation, a personal situation for me. Uh, but we, we went to the Wren Collective uh, concert up in, in, uh, up, up in Roseville, and uh, it, it was fantastic. I mean, Ring Collective, there, I don't, how many of y'all know who Ring Collective is? Okay, basically, it's the greatest rock band to come out of Ireland since U2. And one day, we may find they're better than U2, okay? But they are fantastic. But we had gone to this uh, Christian band, really, really good, neat event, exciting. Uh, and earlier that afternoon, you need to understand that I had been trying to get ready. I was going to be doing a really big bike ride the very next day, and I'd gotten my bike ready. And, and while I was getting my bike ready, I had a little bit of, I had a couple of frustrating experiences, and, 
and uh, trying to fix a flat and some other stuff. But I got everything ready. I got everything ready so that when I got home, I'd be able to go straight to bed, get up early the next morning. Uh, Dan was, Baylor was going to pick me up at 6 o'clock, and we were going to head out so we could be there for the start at, at uh, 7 o'clock, and we were going to do this bike ride. And so I was all ready. And, and so I come home from this, you know, this kind of this high point experience, this fantastic concert. It was fantastic watching my kids worship together while we were there for the Wren Collective concert. And, and it was just, it was a super experience. And I came home, went out to the garage, checked my bike one last time, and the front tire that I'd changed two different flats on it was flat again. And, folks, you don't understand. I had spent a couple hours working on my bike. I'd gone through the, the, the tire. I had checked to see if there was anything sharp poking through it. I had checked the rim. I had checked everything, and it was flat again. And, folks, I was so tempted to throw my bike pump through the wall. Um, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes temptation comes to us at a moment immediately after a high point. And, and, and uh, Michael Green talks about this. He says, we're not, to, we're not meant to live on spiritual highs. Okay? We're not meant to live on spiritual highs. We are meant to live on the bread that comes from God alone, even if it's bread in the desert. God deliberately allows temptation. Get this. Have you thought about this? Why would, why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus? Because that's what the text says. Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted? Because that's exactly what the text says. And, 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 and David Platt talks about this, and he says this. He says, God tests us for our good, but Satan tempts us for evil. And God is accomplishing a good purpose, and, he's, and, and what's happening here is that God the Holy Spirit is leading Jesus out into uh, the, the desert to be tempted, and, and I'm sorry, I'm not getting this said, but, but Michael Green goes on to say, he says, God deliberately allows temptation. It, its arrival does not mean that God's blessing has evaporated. It simply allows the ephemeral and the emotional to be separated from the lasting. Temptation builds spiritual muscle. And what I would say is temptation builds spiritual muscle provided that you are, uh, that, that you are obeying God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, But the first thing we need to understand is we have a spiritual enemy and we need to be ready for battle. Number two, we prepare ourselves for battle by feeding on the Word of God. We prepare ourselves for battle by feeding on the Word of God. That in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 4, uh, one of the things, and it's interesting, when, when each time that Satan tempts Jesus, what, how does he respond? He, he says, it is written. It is written. It is written. Over and over again, he keeps saying, it's written, it's written, it's written. And each time what he does is that, that, that every time that Satan tries to tempt him, Jesus responds with Scripture. And the way we prepare ourselves for battle is by feeding uh, on the Word of God. I heard a guy say it this, uh, this way. He said, said that when we are reading and constantly reading the Word of God, reading the Word of God daily, what we are doing is we're giving the Holy Spirit vocabulary to speak into our lives. That what we're doing is we're, we're giving the Holy Spirit ammunition to speak into our lives and, and to create life change. That, that life change doesn't happen without being 
uh, into the Word of God and letting the whole and, and metabolizing the Word of God. That, that we need to be reading the Bible, reading uh, the, the Scriptures for, for, for breadth and studying the Scriptures for depth. That we need to be in the Word, metabolizing the Word of God on a daily basis. That it is our daily bread. It's our daily bread. And um, in, 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 in uh, verse 4, Jesus said, It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, it, it's real interesting, is that in each of the times that, that Jesus responds to the devil, he uh, responds with texts of Scripture uh, that, are, that come from Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6 through 8. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, which is the context for the quote that Jesus uses here, where Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, comes straight out of Deuteronomy chapter 8. And let me just read for you these verses. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open up to it. But Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, important text. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, what's happening in this text is Moses is talking with the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, they're right at the Jordan River. They're getting ready to cross the Jordan River, and they're getting ready to go in and take possession of the land that God had promised to give to their ancestors. And so what, what Moses is doing is he's, he's kind of like, Deuteronomy is kind of like, if you think my sermons are long, read Deuteronomy, because that's what it is. It is a long sermon, all right? But basically what, 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 what Moses is doing in this sermon is he's preparing the people of Israel to go in and take possession of the land. And, and what, what, um, uh, what Moses says to the people, he says, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today. Which command? Every command. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land, the, the land the Lord promised to, on oath to give to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord you got, your God led you all the way in the, in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you. See that word? That, that God actually tests us for our good. And he said that, that the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. And in verse 3 he says this, He humbled you, causing you to hunger. But sometimes God lets us go through times of hunger. Okay? And, and he, said, he said, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna. Remember how God gave the people of Israel manna when they were in the wilderness? He said, He caused you to hunger, then He fed you with manna, which neither your, you nor your ancestors had known. And He did this, why? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, folks, we need the Word of God more than we need food. We do. I mean, I don't know how often you eat. I'm pretty religious about it. I, you might even say I'm legalistic about it. I eat three times a day. Actually, I eat a, probably a couple more times if I'm really honest about it. A couple of snacks here and there. And uh, actually, I just kind of graze all day long. That's really what I do. But you know, folks, if, if I go without a meal, I get kind of grumpy. I do. Actually, I've been known to be grumpy even when I don't go without a meal. But, but you know, for me, it's like I, I need to keep my body nourished. I, I, I've got to, 
maybe not as nourished as I peeve get, but but I, I've got to I've got to eat. If I go very long without food, I've noticed that my my mood changes. And, and, and people, we need food to to thrive. We do. We we need food to thrive. And uh, the truth is, is we need spiritual food if we're going to thrive spiritually. Is that we need to be feeding on the Word of God every day. That uh, you know, one of the things that I've shared with you before is I would encourage you to read at least one chapter a day. Just one chapter a day. You, you know, if you're not doing anything else, if you don't know where to start, we're studying the book of Matthew. Start with Matthew chapter 1. And the next day, Matthew chapter 2. And then 3 and 4, and just read through. And if you'll do that in 90 days, actually in 89 days, you'll read through the four Gospels. And if you read a chapter a day, you'll read through the entire New Testament in about nine months. And if you don't know where to go after that, then I would continue to read a chapter a day in the New Testament and then maybe add on one more chapter from the Old Testament. If you don't know where to start, Genesis chapter 1 is a great place to start. And then maybe read a little bit in the morning and a little bit at night. In the morning, read from the Old Testament, and at night, read in the New Testament. But what we need is we need to be daily in the Word of God. That when we are in the, Word of, in the Word of God, we are giving vocabulary to the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives. We're helping to build, truly, I believe, that spiritual uh, muscle it takes for us to be able to say no to uh, temptation. Third principle I want to share with you, third lesson is this, is that the, the best way to resist temptation is to, number one, submit to God, uh, to, how do I say this, to, to, uh, to answer with Scripture. The reason that I'm having to look is because last night my computer crashed at midnight. So my sermon notes are different from what I have up here. So, uh, but the, the, the best way to resist temptation is to submit to God, answer with Scripture, and tell Satan to take a hike. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in verse, you know, what happens with Jesus is that you know, Satan doesn't quit after one temptation. You know, seriously, standing up to temptation would be simple if Satan tempted you one time and then gave up. Wouldn't it? I mean, if he only tempted you once and then gave up, it'd probably be pretty easy to deal with. But what I have found is that Satan tends to try to wear me down, tempting me again and again and again. And, uh, and, and what, what happens with Jesus is that Jesus, each time he answers with Scripture, and finally in verse 10, he says this. He says, away from me, Satan. Away from me. Or uh, get lost. Okay? Is... is um, the best way to resist temptation is to submit God, uh, answer with Scripture, and tell Satan to take a hike. In James chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says this. It says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. What kind of temptations do you struggle with? And what can we learn from Jesus in his temptation? We have a spiritual enemy, and we need to be ready for battle. We prepare ourselves for, for battle by feeding on the Word of God. And the best way to, to resist temptation is to submit to God, answer with Scripture, and tell Satan to take a hike. Let's pray. God, we want to... Uh, God, you're, you're a good God. You are a good God. You are, are great and awesome. And we, uh, you, are, uh, you are the righteous judge of the heavens and the earth, but you are also a God who's full of grace and mercy. And we thank you, Lord, uh, for saving us. Lord, we, we, we need help. Uh, we need your help when it comes to temptation. That, that temptation for us is that sometimes uh, it, we just kind of feel worn down. 
And so, Lord, what we want to do is we want to learn from Jesus and how we, uh, how we answer uh, and how we respond to temptation. And so, God, I'm going to ask you to please teach us, uh, please teach us to always be ready for the spiritual battle we're in. Teach us, God, to, 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 to feast daily on your word. Um, Lord, teach us to, to submit to you, to answer with Scripture and to resist the devil. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.